Welcome to The Summit, a podcast focused on bringing you the knowledge and insight for industry leaders. I'm your host, Kyle Hamer, and I'm on a mission to help you exceed your potential. As a sales guy turned marketer, I am passionate about building sustainable businesses, and there's one thing I've learned. You won't find an overnight growth scheme, shortcut to success, or a way to hack yourself to the top. Nope, success is the byproduct of great relationships, and we're here to help you unlock that success one conversation at a time. I mean, the worst thing that you can do is do nothing at all. I think there are so many people who fell into that camp that thinking, oh, surely things are going to be back by Q3, Q4 of this year. And the reality is that is not the case. You absolutely have to go virtual at this time. Hi, I'm here with my good friend, Aubrey No Whiskey. What a great last name. Aubrey, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, so Aubrey is a, what, a production manager or what, like, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do and, and, you know, how you make the world go around for you. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, Title is executive producer. I work for Coterie Spark. We're a global meeting and event management firm that's based in Houston, Texas. But again, we do events all over the world and we specialize in in in-person, virtual and hybrid experiences specifically. That's, um, that's been a, you've seen a lot of change this year then I would, I would imagine. Holy smokes. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. The, the industry is definitely evolving, but if there's any industry that can, you know, think on their feet, I would say event professionals and the event industry in general, uh, we're, we're tackling it as best we can. That's awesome. Well, today you and I are going to talk a little bit about, um, the, the world of events, the world of changing world of events. You can just kind of like, I mean, I would assume it's the day in the life of, of, of Aubrey, because have there been two same days in the last six months? You know what? This is why I chose this career path is because I don't like any days that are the same. And quite frankly, it's no different than pre-COVID to now. Like it's, there's always a new challenge, which my motto in life is challenges are opportunities in disguise. And that's actually how we're approaching this whole situation with COVID from the very start, from the first contract cancellation with one of our clients to present day and looking out to 2021 and 2022 events. What is that looking like? Um, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the challenge. Well, and I don't want to spend too much time going backwards because I mean, I think everybody's kind of lived it, but there are a couple of things that I think are really um, are unique and interesting about where the event space is at. You have different sized organizations trying to figure out how to be agile and nimble, right? Um, Organizations like Inbound, they just completed their first fully virtual event. And and for them, that was probably a little bit easier because maybe they had the resources versus a a small association who historically might have only ever done things in person. You know, they have smaller groups of folks and trying to figure out how to continue to deliver and provide that value, that membership value that now all of a sudden they can't do. What have you seen as kind of been the, the you know, one or two takeaways, like big aha moments for organizations of variant sizes over the last six months where it's like, oh, this is how we can address and, and still provide value. 
Right. I mean, the worst thing that you can do is do nothing at all. <laughs> I think there are so many people who fell into that camp that thinking, oh, surely things are going to be back by Q3, Q4 of this year. And the reality is that is not the case. You absolutely have to go virtual at this time. A lot of uh, hotel properties, especially if you had larger gatherings, are limited to between 50 to 250 people max. And that's with strict social guidelines as far as social distancing guidelines. Um, and so that really, in many ways, inhibits the program that you probably previously envisioned. So keeping that in mind, you you really do, especially for larger events, need to take those virtual or even for your smaller events. You know, there are some people who do not feel comfortable getting out in person. And quite frankly, you do want to look out for the best interests of your membership, your leadership, whoever is attending your events. So um, that is the biggest takeaway is, is to do something and not nothing. And I think people need to uh, embrace this new, it's not a new tech age because we're already in the tech age, but these tools have been available and haven't been utilized to their full capabilities before because, you know, nothing compares to in-person and I'm not making the argument that, you know, virtual is the same as in-person or is even on the same level. It's, it's, completely different experiences, but you do need to work with what you have. And there is uh, really awesome and unique ways to build connections and to somewhat emulate and replicate what you would have as an in-person experience. So uh, I guess the next takeaway is to get creative as well. well it's, it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about getting creative because I would assume that as an executive producer, like no single day is the same and your job is different depending on the client and their, their particular needs. But my my summer experience with you know with several of these um, courses that have or not courses but these events that have migrated from an in person destination you know highly driven by what you're going to experience when you get there to some sort of online engagement experience and it's not the same and how do you try and replicate it some have been very very successful and some have been well frankly, pretty terrible and, and, and unimpressive. And it's not really budget specific. For, for your clients, the clients that can't do the in-person event, what are the things that you're helping coach them, think about, tell them to, to consider as I say, okay, hey, I can't do the same rubbing elbows, shaking hands, going and getting a coffee after the event type of networking and, and in-person experience. How do you help them reset their expectations or how do you help frame it so that they can create an event that is successful virtually? Right. I think the first thing that you have to understand is there is a difference between a virtual event and a webinar. I think everyone's experience you know, pre-COVID was just with a Zoom webinar. And although you can use Zoom and create an event, the differentiation is the experiential enhancements is what we call it, right? So um, you need kind of multiple components to your event. You need the event platform. Um, sometimes you need the streaming tool in addition to the event platform. So Zoom is kind of one and all, but when I'm talking about event platforms, I'm talking more about sophisticated HTML websites that are built and designed to kind of host 
larger events where you have integrations with these streaming platforms. Um, and then again, you need your experiential enhancements on top of that. And so experiential enhancements can run the gamut between having a llama pop up surprisingly in one of your Zoom calls or in you know a virtual platform that you have. You can have different wine pairing and tasting events, um, virtual entertainers, whether that's MCs or um, magicians or tarot card readers. I mean, there's so many different things. If you think about an in-person event, let's say it was a social event, what are the components you would have? You'd have a photo booth. Hey, guess what? There are virtual photo booths. You would have a, a you know, F&B, so food and beverage. So, hey, can we pre-mail them something or can we email them a gift certificate to DoorDash or Grubhub and have them select what they want and get it delivered to their home? So there are so many different things you can do as experiential enhancements. I think another part of education is on budget. So I think a lot of people just assume that, oh, we're going virtual, so it's going to be free because we can use the limited Zoom account and still have X number of people on there. And the reality is that if you truly want to produce an event, you've got to put some money towards it. Now more than ever, an audiovisual production team is an essential element to, to any virtual event because that is what's bringing the show value, the production value to keep people entertained. Um, especially when there's so much Zoom burnout right now. I mean, like, again, just understanding that difference between a webinar and a true event and experience and how to create that. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to echo that just from my, my experience. There was a, there was an event that I attended for a, a fairly large software company. And I was, uh, I was a, you know, not vested interest. I was just doing some studying of what was working, what wasn't working. And what I thought was really, really interesting is this company had taken the time and the money to invest in an MC, right? They wanted to have this larger than life personality open up and, and create an experience, which I was really excited for. And then during the opening keynote, we went from pre-recorded MC to pre-recorded senior leadership and it was like one minute we were we were watching Tigger on the screen and the next minute it was Eeyore and the 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 complete energy change that fast was that nobody had really thought about the production value of hey we're going to keep the energy up or we're going to maintain a level of energy we're going to do something so that we can transition so that it makes sense emotionally or thematically so that we can match these these tones and timbers How do you help companies through that thought? Like they've never done a production before, right? They've not actually produced a show. How are they, how are they, where do they begin? How do they prevent that from happening? Right. And, you know, it's evolved even as COVID has taken place. So originally it was straight lockdown. So everybody was in their home. The only real option was to mail a camera kit, a studio kit with the lighting, the audio, the video to that person's residence. And they're going to shoot from their living room or wherever they can hardline in. Right. Um, now things have started to open up a little bit so we can get back into actual professional studios and kind of have a pro- professional set uh, that you're broadcasting from and they are implementing amazing social distancing measures where really you just have the cameraman, you've got your prompter and you've got the person who's being interviewed or if there's multiple people, they're they're spread out and everybody's in masks, of course, uh, except for the person presenting, they'll take it off when it's time to present. Um, that is definitely a, a 
notch up on the production. There are different platforms as well, StreamYard being an example, where you can uh, really kind of animate, if you will, your production. And that's transitions in and out. That's lower third banners of people's names and titles or bottom bars that prompt people to, you know, contribute to the poll, vote on the poll, or, you know, make a comment in the chat, those, those kind of things. Um, that can definitely add a level of enhancement to, to your production. I think linking up with an event management firm, an audiovisual partner, whomever you might have used for your in-person events in the past, almost every single one of them have had to pivot during this time. And they are extremely tech savvy. This is just another uh, element or aspect of the technical capabilities that they have. And they can advise you through that. Having a show flow and a show script, it was just as important as in-person for in-person events, but it's extremely important for, uh, for virtual events as well. And making sure that you have an open line of communication. Sometimes that's a secondary Slack channel. It could be a WhatsApp chat stream, different ways to communicate between the people who are backstage virtually and those who are watching the forward facing platform. So there, there is a big learning curve, I would say. And that's probably the biggest challenge with virtual events right now is, is that learning curve, but you've got people out there and resources who can help you to bridge that gap. Well, it's, 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 interesting. it's interesting to me that some of the things that you touched on as it relates to communication and, and production, live set versus being at home, in, in, we're entering the season where a lot of companies will begin doing their, their annual sales meetings or their, their annual kickoffs. And now what are we going to do? You know, I think we were, on a, we were on a panel discussing last week how um, one, of the, one of the panelists has got a... Um, uh, an economic event that's coming up, right? And they have, it's a, it's a big event for them and they, they're used to having this, this production value and these things going on. What's interesting to me is the consideration of uh, most organizations don't think through, well, what if I actually had to produce that and stream it live as though it's a TV show or something where, where people on the other side can consume it from home and feel like they're, they're a part of it. Um, the NFL, NBA, organizations that have in-person events, they have, you know, they, they, they may not have fans, right? There may not be people in the audience, but they're still delivering that same level of production as they did last year when there were people in the stands. What are some things that organizations can do or ways that they can get creative with platforms like, would you say, Stream Online? Oh, StreamYard. StreamYard. Um, there's StreamYard, there's Livestream, um, th there's different ones that you can use for, for tri-casting type production elements. What are, what are some of the things that they can um, think about as it relates to coordinating an event so that it feels like I'm ha still having some level of an experience versus, hey, I'm watching my boss in his kitchen talk to me about what we're going to do in 2021? So basically the difference between being talked at and actually having some engagement and participation in it. Yeah, and this is another aspect of virtual events that I cannot wait for the evolution to come. So a lot of the event platforms that are out there are not one size fits all or end all be all. They don't have all the capabilities built in or if they offer certain capabilities, they're probably not the best that's out there to offer. So there's a lot of integration that takes place. Almost Think of it almost like widgets, right, to your HTML website. 
for, for instance. So you're taking this event platform and you're saying, hey, I want to have main stage keynote time, which is someone kind of directly talking to you. But I also want to have breakouts. So a lot of platforms don't have their own internal capability to push breakouts and segregate people. And so sometimes you have to integrate with like Zoom, for instance. Uh, so you've got that component. Then you have a mixture of your pre-recorded uh, and your live content or semi-live content that is kind of a, a blend of the two where it's made to appear as if it's recorded live. So there are so many aspects to, and oh my gosh, hire an event management company. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to like, but even if it's not us, hire somebody because there's a lot a lot of moving parts to it. And there's a lot, quite frankly, that could go wrong. I always send emails now and I'm like, welcome to virtual events where tech checks are absolutely mandatory. Like get excited. There's no way to skip this. Um, and, and people are still learning too. I mean, it's, it's remarkable on, uh, you know, you have a tech call and the purpose of a tech call is that you're in the same location using the same computer, the same internet that you plan to use day of, not some other location and, and, you know, kind of defeats the entire purpose. So, um, I, I have gone down a different path on this, this thought process. I don't know if I have answered your, your initial question or not. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So I, you know, I think one of the things that, that, that you touch on there that I think is I've lived it. Right. So uh, I think two or yeah, two years ago, what the organization that I was yeah. a part of decided to do, uh, a huge brand reveal and simulcast, and they wanted it to all be part of this. Um, this ever like there were like nine different physical locations, and so every location they wanted to have this this level of, oh, I'm experiencing the same thing as as if I'm the, at the live event. Yeah. And so the coordination of what are we doing with the live stream and how are we cutting back and forth and, and what's the, what's happening on the stage and what are we, you know, how long, when somebody on, when somebody off, when do we get people in the room to make sure that, I mean, there was just all of these logistics that. And add in that different time zones. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. And in the, the, the headquarters happened to be on East coast and one of their most recent acquisitions happened to be all the way on Pacific time. Right. And so they wanted yeah. to start the day at nine o'clock, which was like 5.00 AM. Right. It just, there's all kinds of logistical things to think through yeah. that, that a lot of organizations or, or uh, events folks haven't had to go through yet. Right. And I think one of the biggest things that we, we learned or, you know, biggest takeaways for us was, there are a lot of organizations that have been doing this that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like this isn't virtual events, right? In, in, in some uh-huh. sort of production or, or thing, it's, it's been going on for a long time. Mega churches do it every week, right? With, and and uh-huh. it's different versions yeah. of it, right? It might be right. um, the mega church that does it on NBC. And I can't think of the name of the, the pastor right now that's, you know, that he's been doing it for years. Or yeah. it, it could be just your local megachurch that's doing some sort of live stream. Right. Where can, where can, what are, what are, where are some common sense places to look for you and I that other, you know, other folks listening in may not think, was, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. This person might be doing this, or I can get some advice here or there to understand, hey, just how complicated and, or um, challenging this this conversion might be if you're really interested in, in having an experience. 
Well, like any marketing, I think you need to understand where your target demographic is. You know, are they hanging out on Facebook? And in which case you might do a Facebook live. Are they on YouTube or even know what that is? And you might do a YouTube live stream. Do you want this to be public? Do you want this to be private material that is password protected? That is all going to dictate where you need to host your content and or, you know, push your content to. Um, So that's number one. Number two, I can't I can't stress enough like your audio visual partners. They would be the best people to, or your event manager would be the best person to kind of advise you based based on your event and understanding what you're trying to accomplish, because there are so many platforms out there. And yes, there, you are valid in saying that this is not anything new. Virtual events have been here for a while. We just haven't had the same amount of focus on it. That being said, you've got your your platforms that have been in the game for a while. Currently, they are extremely inundated because the best of the best at this moment, and best I say best of the best is a relative term because it may not be the best for X Y Z event because it doesn't you know it doesn't line up. But they are they have waiting lists now. You know, it used to be oh we can turn your event out in ninety days, and now that timeline has been stretched to three months, six months, so on and so forth. And the prices have tripled by now because there's this supply and demand for those platforms. At the same time, I always liken it to like the space age for virtual events. Everyone and their mom is coming out with an event platform right now. And so another place to look, if you have done events in the past that were in person and maybe you had a conference app, a lot of the conference apps are coming out with their own virtual platform versions and the two integrate. So that would be a great place to start too, rather than reinventing the wheel. If your attendees are already comfortable with utilizing a certain app, just say, hey, you can access it not only on your phone, but you can also access this experience on your desktop as well. Understanding there are uh, a a lot of uh, growing pains, as I would call them, <laughs> because these platforms, they are trying to, to meet the demand and they're trying to you know, have their tech teams work overnight to get these platforms up and running. And without fail, there's going to be some kinks. There's going to be some broken links. And a lot of the event professionals and the people utilizing these platforms are the ones submitting those help desk tickets saying, hey, this needs to be fixed or that needs to be fixed. Or they might have promised that, you know, chat and polls were going to be available on the first release. And they then had to postpone that timeline. And if you already have, you know, a contract locked in and your event date, you just got to roll with what you've got. And again, get creative with other integrations that you can kind of plug into Band-Aid for lack of a better word as things start to catch up with you. So we have definitely experienced that. And, and again, just to kind of reiterate, even with our clients, we have done events, I think on over four to five different event platforms now, because again, it really does depend on the client and the event on what we're going to recommend to you, because there is no there's no one straight answer for, for everyone. And I think budget again is a huge component. So yeah, you can talk about these mega churches. You can talk about, you know, NFL and the sports. Realistically, most people do not have that budget (laughs) and are not going to have that level of production. I think that's another, you know, kind of education moment is, you know, it's, it's easy to say, Oh, we're going to have 360 simulcasts from 20 plus locations, but you're working with, you know, a budget that is not the NFL. It's just, it's not, you got to be realistic with your expectations, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, no. And I, and so by the way, I, I agree with that, but I think that the thing that's important to that, that, that people will maybe think is as well, if I have budget, then I can skimp on production. 
And I think for, from, from, from my perspective, what I was just only trying to draw the, the similarity to is, is that even though budgets may be impacted, that's the one thing you actually cannot, you cannot. skimp on. You cannot. <clears throat> we honestly will not take a client who will not allocate funds towards, towards the production element. Because in, again, going back to the whole argument, we are not in the business of webinars. Anybody can host a webinar. Anyone can schedule a Zoom call and share their screen. We are we are there for the production. In order to have that production value, you need that production partner, just like you would a live event. I would never walk into a conference center and have a 500-person multi-day conference, and I am the one doing the soundboard and the, the, the screens. You, you would never expect that. So in the same respect, you need your audiovisual partners for, for virtual events now more than ever. Well, in, in the... Um the example that I have for, for me personally is, is like I said, I was at a, a really large uh, software as a service company who had their event. We talked about the, you know, the disconnect in emotional and in, in, in arch as it relates to their production yeah, yeah. and their keynote. Like uh-huh. you, you got to get that one right. right. However, you know, and, and they were using the big platforms event. They, I mean, they had tons of vendors, they had tons of sessions and the whole thing was, was, was a, was, you could tell it was an incredibly large lift for their, for their company. Flip it on its head though, there was a very small association where I'm, I'm a part of it. They might have a thousand members, right? So they're not dealing yeah. with huge budgets. They used, right. they used Zoom webinars, but they invested mm-hmm. all of their money and effort into creating what I will call the Jerry Lewis telethon version of, of a Zoom webinar where there were commercial yeah. breaks, there were interludes, you yeah. moved from one speaker to the next, you had a nice Q&A, they did a, um, you know, a virtual horse race where they had found somebody that had a, a recording of a horse race, they put it up and you had to place your bets on what horse you thought. Like, they, took, they, they took what they had and they made it an experience and it was something where you could immerse yourself in and actually have a good time. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't the same amount of money spent at, at at Inbound or at this other conference, but they really focused on that experience. How important is that? It's so crucial. I, you and I had kind of talked about this uh, when we met last week for that panel, and I said one of the things that I'm most excited about is. I feel like with events, we have veered so far on the other end of the spectrum of equating success for an event to the total number of attendees and just having this mass quantity of attendees. Understanding, though, that on the other end of the spectrum, the more intimate the event is, typically that's the that's where memories are made. That's where the most lasting impact is created. And that is what drives sales or whatever your ROI ends up being. And so um, even with event platforms, there are capacities, you know, and there are optimal numbers, not just from an attendee perspective, but also for the amount of time. You cannot expect people to dedicate two full days like they would at an in-person conference. Absolutely don't do that. And if anything, take Take advantage of the fact that you don't have those geographic limitations or that hotel contract limitation. Spread that content out, you know, make this something that we have all admittedly failed at doing is that whole follow-up. How do things build from one event to the next? And how can you, you know, kind of put all these puzzle pieces together and connect it and really kind of make change? I'm just so excited about getting back to the intimacy of of events. And, and I feel like where they might have fallen flat is they were just checking boxes on how can we get everyone into general session and how can we, you know, just kind of 
in their own way replicate what would happen in an in-person event, but they were missing the quintessential elements of an in-person event that we too often take for granted. And that's walking through the hallways. You know, that's the like water cooler conversations, the nights at the bar where, you know, the business deals and discussions actually happen. The connections are actually made. They were just doing the baseline framework and they weren't thinking about those interactive entertainment type elements that people have not really experienced in a virtual sense. And and so it takes them by surprise. Even the smallest little things can add so much to an event. And you're absolutely right. They don't have to cost a ton of money, quite frankly, with virtual events now more than ever with a lot of musicians and artists and, you know, everybody who's in entertainment is stuck at home. They are much more willing to work with you on your budgets. You can get speakers that you would have never gotten before or cameo. You can go to cameo.com and get some famous celebrity from the office. who can give a shout out to your attendees, you know? So uh, there are a lot of really fun options out there. Yes, there are a lot of fun options out there. Um, you know, one of the things I think is there's, there's a couple pieces. If we keep talking about the, the event and the production for the, for the company holding the event, what are the, there? And I think there are two parts of the event that typically make it, I don't want to say valuable for the attendee, but valuable for the vendor or valuable for the, the sponsor or valuable for the, for the host. And those two pieces are, how do I exhibit in a virtual environment and have it really be worth anything and then on top of that how do how do i get my outside sales or my field sales people that are used to going to these shows and these events and making connections and rubbing elbows how do we extend those components can we or i mean can we today or those things that really need to be yet explored and and, you know fleshed out it is definitely evolving. I'll be honest with that. But I personally, having been you know, a corporate marketing manager in my past life, having produced trade shows, that's where I started uh, and doing a lot of training on trade shows, even just even with in-person trade shows. Oh God, there's so much training that needs to be done with, with booth representatives who just assume that people are going to come to you and to your booth and engage with you and ask you questions and you'll get a chance to do your pitch. It's no different now in virtual. You've got to go out and seek them. So one of the amazing abilities with these virtual events is you pretty much have access to the entire attendee list within those event platforms most often. And so you have the capability to direct message anybody. And often they'll have links to their social media profiles. You can connect with them on there and start to build, Hey, you know, I'm so glad that we both attended XYZ event this last week. I didn't get a chance to talk to you. Can we set up a coffee date offline? You know, and then the same thing about drawing people to your booth, you can invite them to do that within direct messages. You can have pre-marketing campaigns that are so important. You can still have giveaways and and entice people that way and, or work with your conference planners. Maybe there's a, a larger overall gift. So there's a lot of luxury gift experiences where you can get like, you know, over a hundred dollar pair of sunglasses or both speakers just by going and visiting a certain number of booths. And so they can then kind of cash in to get these incentives and rewards for, for doing those things. There's also entertainment depending on the platform and capabilities, but you could have, you know, a spin the wheel in your, in your virtual booth. You could have a virtual photo booth within your booth, you know, and have it branded for your company. There's all kinds of activations, essentially, that you can do in a virtual sense if you get creative and you go beyond just, you know, the page essentially that's provided for you on that event platform, beyond just this text box, video, 
is king, making sure that you have a professionally produced video that very quickly explains what it, what it is that you do. And again, potentially has some sort of value add if there's some sort of incentive, whether that's like a discount or a coupon or a free consultation, like be thinking about what you can offer these attendees and absolutely don't just expect them to come to your booth. Think about your own actions. As a marketer, I always say that, like, think about what you do. Would you just, you know, like click on a link without knowing what it was for? Like, why would you take the time to do that? So knowing that you've got to kind of overcome those challenges and things that think outside the box. And then from a production and content standpoint, more than just having, you know, a loop of, of logos, like you would have in a general session, there are great ways to integrate, have, you know, promo videos into your content. You can have certain segments that are sponsored by one of the sponsors. So for instance, Grubhub, and they can design the e-gift card to have this lunch is brought to you by XYZ sponsor, you know, or, I mean, just, there are so many touches within the conference. You mentioned the horse racing. There's also can I say a swear word? Well, it's just a word, whatever. Chicken shit bingo. Like they can have virtual chicken shit bingo or armadillo races, you know, and you can bet on, and those different animals or whatever it is can be sponsored by a particular sponsor. I mean, there's just so many things that you can do in a virtual realm. I, I, I hope just people get more excited. And the more that these platforms evolve, they are also enabling uh, people to have one-on-one video conversations and schedule time, you know, and all the analytics, holy smokes. Like most events don't have the capability, like RFID capability at in-person events to track people's, you know, heat mapping and that kind of thing. They don't have the budgets to do that. But with virtual, you got it all there. You can see all the analytics in real time of who's clicking on what page, how long have they been there? Where were they clicking from? You know, what brought them there? There's just so much uh, that we could get excited about for virtual events. You know, you mentioned you mentioned a couple of things here that um, you got my creative juices flowing when it comes to being an exhibitor or somebody who's um, you know sponsored events in the past. You like, and most of the time when you you sponsor an event, they're like, "Hey, can you put up some uh, PDF collateral and a basic description of your company and exactly. give us a video?" And the video almost always is your boilerplate. This is our company. That's the same thing you show your new hire when they first show up. Right. Like, and it's not necessarily something somebody's going to be like, Oh my God. Yes. I love that. Like they might apply for a job, but not necessarily engage you for um, buying your product or service. But, but I do think that we're in a unique spot with the stuff where artists are stuck at home Um, you've got Mm -hmm. stuff with cameo. Uh, Was it true fan now? I, I don't, I know I'm saying that wrong. But you have an opportunity with creating your own spinoff webinar and inviting people that came to that yeah. to come to your special little event. You may not be able at a mm-hmm. normal Salesforce, um, Dreamforce conference to, to afford hiring up Van Halen and holding a concert. But that doesn't mean you can't have your version of that with right. some small local little, you know, reggae band or whatever Absolutely. is your your company's extension of your brand, invite folks to come and and start building that, you know, Absolutely. that relationship. And it might actually be better money spent at 25, 3500 bucks or whatever it may be to hire the band for for a a live event handled handled over video conference than trying to go out and and figure out how to buy everybody a beer, or if you do both, maybe that's even better. But I mean, there's, there's, there's so many ways to get creative over just 
status quo with the what the platform will allow you to hundred percent and like any conference most of those sales guys would have taken people out to ed evs or some fancy steak dinner or whatever how can you replicate something similar to that i love going on um probably given too much of the sauce away, but like Airbnb as an example now has experiences and I love going to see, you can get, you know, someone's Italian grandmother in Italy who is like hand making pasta in front of you and teaching you how, or like there was a girl who does limoncello. Like you can follow along with her family's recipe on how to make this limoncello. Like how dope of an experience is that, that you can do from the comfort of your living room or your home or your office or whatever, you know, and there's ways to get your, your spouses and your kids involved like never before, you know, and, and incorporate them into events. So events that, you know, are keeping that in mind of the other people who are in the household and how can, how can we entertain the kids so that the parents, you know, can actually get the most out of this experience, you know? Oh gosh, I'm just genuinely so excited about virtual events. I think this is just the beginning, you know? Yeah, I agree. Well, I, and I think that it's it's been a long time coming. I mean, I remember when On24 had their first virtual exp, uh, event many, 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 many years ago. And I was like, well, this is lame. It's like, <laughs> you know, you'd send, off, you'd send off a message and then you would have to wait for like 20 or 30 minutes till somebody would respond back. And like it just it, the experience wasn't there yet. And now being stuck yeah. at home, we're, we're forced to, uh, to accommodate yeah. and our behavior changes, right? We're not distracted yeah. by as many other things that are happening in real life. So these virtual events are having a, having a bigger impact. Talk to, talk to me a little bit about the platforms that are out there. You know, you mentioned some of the big boys are buried to me. Taking on a big platform is like buying a brand new trade show booth. Like there's a lot of things to think through yeah, um, and build out, right? Like you've got to produce everything. Mm-hmm. Who are some of the guys that are doing it really well? And then talk about maybe some of the other things that are surprising that that folks may not know about yet. Oh, gosh. Everyone has different experiences, too. And because of this pandemic, which is unprecedented, as we all know, these same words, right? You know, on 24 and Trotto, some of the the leaders in, in the game, you know, again, at the start, it was all the bells and whistles, all the technical support we can offer you. And now I'm not calling on them specifically, but other event platforms, uh, you know, they, again, are just so inundated that it's now, okay, it's on you to set up your exhibitor booth and like, you're going to have to pay X amount extra for technical support or just, you know, chat into this chat box and hope within the next 24 to 72 hours, even if it's the day of your event, that you get some sort of response. So it is a, it is a completely different world that we're in. Um, some of the, um, I don't want to say I'll say more economical. <laughs> Let's go with that word. Uh, Hopin is a great tool. Attendify, that was a conference app that we um, had had used for a couple of our clients that now have an event platform. Again, a lot of um, lessons learned as well because they are in the process of rolling out. And even your event platforms that have been around for a while, they too are doing updates and upgrades to their platform. And so some of the questions you have to ask is like, hey, do you have an upgrade scheduled for the day of my event? And what could that potentially cause as far as, you know, broken links or something that was originally working two days ago when we did all the technical checks and now the zoom is not integrating into the platform, you know, like literally we're learning by the day and just having to kind of go with it and, and find workarounds. Um, 
But those are some initial platforms. Hub is a great one. Again, it really does depend on what you're trying to accomplish uh, on what I or anybody would recommend that you you utilize. But those are a couple of the platforms that we um, have most recently used and uh, and definitely word on the street. But there's a lot of forums going on with different event you know planners across the country who have their own... <laughs> good and bad stories and experiences on, on any plot. Again, there's no one size fits all or end all be all platform. We're all kind of going through this, this growing phase together. You know, and I think you're right. We are. One of the things that I think is, it was most interesting in our panel discussion we had a couple or last week was the, the impact on the actual hospitality and the physical location space. Yeah. It's devastating, honestly. Yeah, it, it's 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 disappointing for them because they've been such great partners for for throwing events and helping us be successful with with whatever we're putting on, right? Yeah. As you look at creative ways to keep your partners involved as you're transitioning, right? This hybrid model. Yeah. What are some examples or ways you can think of how you might use the space, or how you might use a a version of the space, or how you might stitch this together so that the there's a hybrid or that you're still allowing the, the, uh, the physical event spaces and locations to be around, because if we don't use them, we're going to lose them in, 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 in quickly. So right. what are, what are some examples of how people could creatively leverage, uh, space that they've already paid for or space that they've already allocated? Right. There's a couple different options. So you could have essentially watch parties and that could be in multiple cities across, you know, wherever the United States, the world that are different properties in different locations. If you have a actual conference or event that originally would have been in one large general session room and you have the ability to break them out into smaller rooms and either ideally have your speakers rotate instead of having the masses of people rotate, that's another way that you can utilize space and still keep people kind of socially distanced and separated. You can also, just like you would a live event where maybe you did have that general session room and maybe you do have the spacing apart with the classroom style seating, one per classroom now, um, but then you have an overflow room. So the overflow room is where you have a, a broadcasted live stream of what's going on in that general session room. Um, I also have always been a big fan of the, you know, kind of disco, silent disco, you know, so you can have multiple speakers going on at a time and you can switch different rooms radio frequencies to listen to whomever it is that you want to hear from. I think, you know, getting creative with your um, event setups as far as rental furnitures like AFR and some of the other rental furniture companies out there, they've got some great, you know, 3D renderings and models of how they are now, you know, setting up kind of conversation nooks and areas with chairs that are spaced out or some of those rounds that you're kind of sitting with your back kind of facing, but you're still having conversations. Anyway, they've gotten really creative with, uh, with the way that they set things up. Uh, F and B there's been a huge change to F and B. Everything has to be like pre-packaged, but there's fun ways to do that too. Um, then a lot of your venues also have their own in-house audiovisual companies or a third-party audiovisual company that they work with. And that's a great resource too, you know, to ask them like, hey, we originally were going to have this as an in-person event. We're now going to have a hybrid experience where part of our, you know, attendees will be in person. The other part are going to be tuning in from elsewhere. How can you help us to, to take our in-person content and broadcast it? And they can work with you on that um, and also put those people to work, which is really important as well. Um, so those are just some of the uh, initial things that I would say, you know, and I would, <laughs> you have different 
camps, right? Some people are ready to just get out there. Like they cannot stay inside one moment longer and others are hibernating underneath their bed, you know, like do not come near me. And so there are people who are willing to meet in person. I would survey them just like you would for, you know, any, any kind of event to get feedback, you know, how comfortable are people with attending the event? If they, and what protocols and measures have you put in place? WEC, um, the MPI conference, they did a phenomenal job recently of releasing this video that didn't so much focus on, it was a, it was a conference that got rescheduled and they didn't so much focus on like, here are all the content and stuff that we're going to give you at this conference. They focused the majority of the video on what have we done to ensure your safety for this in-person experience? And they interviewed the hotel, you know, staff, they showed like an example of a room set with the chairs spaced out. They, you know, showed how registration would be like, they're pre-mailing you your badge. So you don't have to like go and check in at registration. Like everything's contactless. They're, they're pre-mailing you a mask and hand sanitizer and all of these things that they're doing to ensure your safety and make you feel comfortable to attend. They're also, um, you know, kind of offering a no risk registration you know, so if things were to change, you know, you have the ability to get out or convert that to like an online ticket. Like there are just a lot of options, wristbands. We had talked about this last week. So kind of that, you know, green, red, yellow, red being don't come near me. I'm not comfortable. Uh, yellow is like, we can touch elbows. And then green is like, come on, let's, let's basically share each other's glass. Not really actually, but you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm comfortable with having a conversation with someone. So all different things that you can implement to, to give business back to these venues, which is definitely needed. It's 100% needed. Um, so for the for those that are listening that have events coming up or they're 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 struggling through it right now, do you have some quick and easy resources, places for them to go look where they be be helpful to to getting additional perspective? Not that they wouldn't be researching it, but you're like, hey, I found this area, this area, and this area just really really valuable. Oh gosh, you know uh, that is a great question. Um, a lot of the resources that I have are stuff that are privy to us, meaning like it's other event professional private groups that you know we can have open forum and then dialogues on. I always am a big advocate of like event manager blog tends to have some of the top of the top skift um, and your professional associations within the events industry too. So you're meeting professionals international, your international live events association. Uh, you, you've got several different wedding specific organizations. Uh, PCMA, Professional Convention Meeting and Events. I'm not exactly sure what all the acronyms are. Even like your AMAs, American Marketing Association, depending on what professional society you're a part of, I would plug into those groups and see what, you know, what are the best practices and lessons learned? I think, you know, getting it from a direct source who's like actually in it in a day-to-day is a lot more valuable than an article that might have a slant potentially. Uh, so, you know, check your sources, but that's, that is where I would recommend they start. So after they've after they figured out that hey they need additional help, how do they get a hold of you guys to get perspective on if that's a good fit and a great relationship uh, potentially waiting to happen? Yeah, uh, CoterieSpark.com and info at CoterieSpark.com. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the things. Uh, I'll make sure that you have my contact information. So Aubrey at CoterieSpark.com. And we do offer free 30-minute consultations. So if you just really need to get a question answered or someone to bounce some ideas off really quickly, we're, we're more than happy to help. We do realize that truly we are all in this together. And that's not just for potential clients. That's also for partners as well. The start of this pandemic, I reached out to a 
lot of our partners and I said, hey, how are you pivoting? Have you figured out how you're going to pivot? Regardless, either way, let's get a call scheduled because we are truly all in this together and I want to help help you guys, you know, because we, even as event professionals, we have unique needs as well. And as this evolved, we were like, oh my gosh, you know, we could do amazing tastings, but our tasting partners maybe haven't thought about this or like our, you know, catering partners or the people that we used to get succulent arrangements from, like now we can ship it to them and do a workshop. You know, there's just so many creative things that can, can be done. So, um, we're here to support you in any way that we can. That's great. And just like, just like the other day, final thoughts, what are you going to leave us with? Stay inspired. I mean, I, as much as this year has sucked in some senses, there's a lot of beauty that's come out of it. A lot of unity, uh, a lot of creativity, a lot of thinking outside the box, a lot of advancements that, that needed to happen. The ability to work from home and have this autonomy and prove to your corporate job that, you know, Hey, you guys can save money on overhead and, you know, our corporate headspace and our headquarters, and I can work from home and do sometimes more work than I was doing in the office. So there's a, there's a lot of good that is going to come out of this, but again, we are all united in this and, um, and let's just help each other. That's great. Thanks so much. Of course. You've been listening to Aubrey Nowiski and we've, uh, we've been talking about all things events, virtual and otherwise. So I, I really appreciate your generosity and, um, you know, giving, giving us the inside scoop, spending a little bit more than the normal 30 minutes consultation and, and giving us the skinny on what's going on. Um, and, and like you said, if people want to get a hold of you, it's Cottery Spark, C-O-T-E-R-I-E-S-P-A-R-K.com. Got it. It'll be in the description of the, uh, the podcast episode as well as posted on the blog. Um, thank you again for being here. It's been, it's been awesome to have you.